Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Philip Vincent. He's here from Dorado Beach, Puerto Rico to talk about the best lead source you've never heard of. First from Puerto Rico, but probably not the last. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer for some of the top wholesalers in the country, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Question I get all the time is how to, be, how to become one of the 100 millionaires, and the information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. All you need to do is take consistent action and you will become one. When you hear a nugget, please type it into the comment section. And after the show, identify your single biggest takeaway and focus on just that for the next seven days. If you get value out of the show, please tag a friend below or share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show. So don't forget to ask your questions for Philip to answer. Ready? Ready. All right. So first question is what got you into real estate? I have a cousin that's a home builder in St. Louis. And he told me a, a story that a uh, builder that he knew of bought a lot for 300000 He put 700000 in the house. And so he had a million dollars in it. He planned on selling it for $1.4 The neighbor across the street had an old house that he listed for $1.4 So the builder decided to raise his price to $1.8 He sold his house and made $800,000. And my cousin looked at me and he says, wouldn't you hate that? And I said, hate what? He said, paying taxes on $800,000. And I said, no, that's exactly the kind of problem I'm looking for. And I was a 19-year-old man at the time. Yeah. And so I just find it funny, people's perception, that uh, my cousin took that as a problem to make 800000 on one deal. And so uh, I actually got into this business uh, in the new construction side back when I was 20 years old. How long ago? I'm 43, so 23 years ago. Got it. And it's funny, right? Like, perception. You and I would love, well, maybe not so much anymore, but... At a point where we're like, man, if we could just make 800000 and pay tax on that, that'd be yep. great. Yep. It's a good but, problem. But then you get to a certain point in your career, and <laughs> now it's a negative. How do I not pay taxes on $800,000? Right. So, um, okay, so that was what inspired you. Yeah. What was your first real estate deal? I built my first house. Uh, just right out the gate. Just right out the gate. I started off in development, <laughs> uh, infill, new construction. Uh, all my family's in that, and I knew they wouldn't let me fail. Mm -hmm. And so I built a house. Um, in the year 2000, and I quickly sold it, made I think 40 or 50,000. I thought, boy, that was fun. I'd like to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not bad. No, it wasn't for my first. And, you know, in St. Louis, the numbers were small. I think I had like 230 in it and sold it for 280. Okay. 20 years ago, that seems kind of high. I thought St. Louis, the prices were a little bit lower. 230? It was a, the lot was 30 grand. So I guess I had about 200 in the house. Okay. So that worked really well. It did. How many times did you, did you do that? Not many. I realized I was not a very good adult. Uh, babysitter, which is what I call being a general contractor. Got it. The idea of, I do a few a year at most. Mm -hmm. And so um, at 43 years old, I think I finally am honest with myself enough to say, Philip, you should never build a house again because the only reason why you ever built a house was to pick out the colors. <laughs> I should have been an interior designer. I like trends. I like fashion. I like to know where things are headed. And I think I went through all the trouble of building new construction just to pick out the colors. So you got an eye for it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're the one that walks into the house like, okay, we need to do this, 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 and this. Yep. But managing the people to do it, not so much. And, and then the municipalities are never fun. Um, the permitting process, uh, dealing with, uh, I always say if, you, if you're in contracting, it's how many grandmas get sick or how many, they're always having, my grandma's sick, I gotta go out of town. Or there's, oh, see, I always heard of my mom's in the hospital. Oh, they're always, doing, always, right? Mom's my mom's in the hospital. hospital. Yeah. Um, I think one of the funniest claims is that uh, workers' comp claims are like 80 or 90% on Mondays. And the reason why it's because they all go out and get in bar fights on the weekend and get taken claiming on Monday. So uh, it's a, it's a, you know it's a business um, that didn't really appeal to me. I was uh, starting to become a wholesaler. I was doing driving for dollars in like 2004 before that was even a terminology. I was wholesaling before I even knew what that terminology was. I've always just found uh, real estate interesting uh, to where even on Sundays I drive around and look at houses, even though my day job was real estate. Gotcha. So you're flipping houses, not in love with it. You said you got into wholesaling. Yeah. Um, how was that transition? I loved it. Um, meeting with families and unlocking their problems and spending not, think about with new construction, it may take you from start to finish a year to get your check. With wholesaling, I can meet with a family and in a few hours, I would be three, three weeks away from having my check. Mm -hmm. Right, and so I was addicted to that uh, dopamine hit of doing, you know, a deal junkie, I guess you'd say. Well, the speed of money. Yep, the speed of money, yeah, right. definitely. Okay. So. You, that was that was a natural transition. It was easy. And there was no headaches there. Well, um, I didn't really get serious about it until about 2009. Mm -hmm. um, I built my first million dollar spec in 2007, 
and I lost it all. It was, uh, so I call it the, that was not the right year. Not the right year for that in St. Louis, especially. Uh, I call it the Lamborghini house because I lost $200,000 on that house. <laughs> uh, very proud of what I built quality wise, once again, colors wise. And now, you know, the, the actual craft was good. It was just the timing. Was, you know, the funny thing about life and timing is that that timing made me look bad. Mm-hmm. Had I built it last year, I might have made 200000 extra. Right. You know, just by how the world is today. Have you kept an eye on that house? I do. I drive by it all the time. How is it? Beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful home. I'm proud of it to this day. The crown jewel in that neighborhood? Um, it's a turnover neighborhood. I would say it's in the middle of the new construction. Got it's it. one of those that's about 60% new construction. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So wholesaling, enjoy that speed yep. of money. What did you do after that? I, I think everybody in 2008 thought the deals come from foreclosures. To this day, when people hear that I'm a flipper, they think, oh, you work in foreclosures. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you and I both know that very small percentage of our business is from foreclosures. Right. And so in 08, uh, when the whole world was dying, the REO, which means bank-owned properties uh, business, I thought, I'm going to get into that because I want to know about, just like with anyone, I want to know about deals before anyone else. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in trying to work smarter, not harder. So I went to work for this REO company, thought I had it all figured out. I would know about houses six months early. I'd get in, I'd work my numbers, I'd be ready to buy it, and then they had something called a owner-occupied look-back period, mm-hmm. where for the first 21 to 30 days, depending on who the seller was, uh, owner-occupants were the only ones that could bid. Mm-hmm. So by day 21, I was just like every other investor in town, because mm-hmm. they had all got to see it for three weeks. Yeah, the speed was nothing there. Yep. The speed was, yeah. Well, I knew about it early, and it helped me none. And so um, in St. Louis, we had a uh, local RIA, uh, someone put out an ad saying, I need someone that has these skills, negotiation, um, think on their feet, in essence, describing what a, an acquisition person does. Mm-hmm. And I sat up in my bed and I looked at my wife and I said, he just described to me. And so I went to, uh, in for the interview. Um, I went on my first uh, ride along with him and I'll never forget it because uh, I knew the moment I got the job and it was, um, we're walking through the house and he says, what do you think this house will sell for? And I said, 239. I said, maybe 280 if it was interior in the, in the neighborhood. This was right on the main drag. So we go through the whole house. This was actually a referral from a realtor. And he asked the realtor, what do you think this house will sell for? She goes, 240. But if it was on the interior, it would sell for 280. Mm-hmm. And I knew in that moment I got the job because what he knew is I just didn't take the comps and say, oh, these are all 280 houses. Not every house in the neighborhood is the same. If you're on the main drag at the front of a neighborhood, it's not as worth as much as the guy right. that has the better lot in the back. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to see things for what they are. Yeah. And uh, he said, I'll ride with you for the first six months. I think you rode with me for the first three weeks. And then after that, uh, it was a 10-year career. And so I think why we're sitting here today was that company had a mandate for every deal that we bring in via marketing, let's bring one in via networking. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's a... Uh, we're starting to see that trend in our business right now. We are. And I feel like with, with my company, Mom's House, we're on the forefront of building relationships with people that are not in, in real estate. And, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about why that's important or why that's sustainable. So you do the ride along, you ride with this guy. Yeah. So when, we were, when you first transitioned wholesaling, it was an acquisition for somebody else. That's right. Yep. Okay. How long did you do that? T- uh, 10 years, up until right now. Just until right now? Yeah, right now. Okay. Yep. Cool. So then... The leap was then from an acquisition for somebody yeah. to mom's house. Right. Okay, so... So how did that happen? What prompted that? Sure. Um, knowing full well that I could work the leads that he gave me, mm-hmm. what I didn't believe in myself was could I go out and build relationships on my own? And so I look at every... Um, when it's I look very at, interesting to me because you're a talker. Yeah. You're a connector. A connector. By, right. Well, but I, I, having never done it, did I know I could be successful at it, right? Yeah. And so... A lot of people go out and build relationships with realtors and they build relationships with wholesalers. The problem with those two, I think, is that they're in the real estate business, mm-hmm. right? And so you might be the flavor of the week, you might do a few deals a year, but their head's gonna turn at some point. Well, you have to constantly market to them. That's right. And they might replace you pretty mm-hmm. easily. In the senior living world, what I have found is that if you build relationships with the right stakeholders in senior living, you're gonna help them with a problem that they have in their own business. What's in it for them? People only care about what's in it for them. Right. And if you can come in and meet with the people the right way and not lead with, I'm an investor, I'm a realtor. You might be an investor and a realtor, but that is not the way to build these relationships. That's not what they want to hear. Then it's about me first. And it's two things. The word investor and the word senior, sometimes investor is looked at as shark investor. 
Well, I mean, there's a reason why we have laws in place to protect the senior citizens. Yeah, rightfully so. They should yeah. be there. Yeah. So they hear the word investor. That could be taken negatively. In our world, it's not. Mm-hmm. In that world, it could be. Yep. Realtors even worse. Really? This, I'll tell you why. This industry has been fixing that problem for 30 years that one way. Oh, we refer to a realtor. So when they hear that you're a realtor, what's your value to them? Are you something? It's called the crocodile brain, right? You're, you're, I mean, you're a commodity. They don't need you. Yeah. Nothing's new. And so I have figured out ways through scripting to open up, unlock their brain, to, to let them understand that they know that they have a problem ask, by asking questions mm-hmm. that I already know the answer to and to let them know that I solve the problem that they have. And each of the 10 people that I teach you how to network with all has a different what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. And I teach you how to unlock their brain to look at you as a resource that they can use month after month, uh, year after year. But let's talk about how you came into this. Okay. Right, because you're, you're, you're working for somebody else. Yeah. I mean, what, what made you, what, what motivated you? Like, you know what? This is a need that needs to be filled. Uh, back in 2011, I remember uh, clearly we did 66 houses that year. And I said, what is the stereotype about these sellers? Tell me a story. What's the, what's the similarity about these people? And I say this all the time, so if you guys have heard it, forgive me, but it sounds like this. Dad died eight years ago. Mom's been doing the best she can. She just fell down. She had a surgery. She's going to be okay, but now she has to move into senior living. The adult children come into town. They find mom that wears the best care, and the first thing they think is, how are we going to pay for this place? Mm-hmm. Because when you take mom to senior living, you don't put her in the cheapest one you can find. You put her in the nicest one you can find. And then you say, well, how are we going to pay? You know, it's eight grand a month, and mom's pension's 2800 a month. Where's that money going to come from? In that moment, they realize we need to sell the house. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, knowing that, I said to Brian, it was his name, I said, Brian, is anyone going right to the senior living world and networking with him? He says, no, but you should do that. <laughs> and that's how it started. That was the genesus of me. Uh, that was 10 years ago. Uh, 2011. Yeah, it was. 10 years ago. Yeah. So um, I bring this up also because, you know, I was talking to Gene Guarino. You yeah. know, we had, we we're getting coffee. And he's like, how can I help you? Right. Super nice guy. How can I help you? He's like, I know how you can help me. You're in this assisted living space. Send me referrals. He's like, no, nah, by the time they get to me, <laughs> that problem's already solved. Yeah. You need to talk to Philip. <laughs> nice. I, and I love Gene and, and, and people when they hear senior living in real estate, they think of what Gene does, which yeah. is taking a single family home and turning it into a residential assisted living community. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that helps keep those people moving into there. I'm the guy that helps keep those beds full, or that's the terminology in the industry, mm-hmm. that keeps that uh, tenants full in those. I don't teach people how to build a residential assisted living community. That's what Gene does. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So they've got problems. So we talked about, we don't want to, sh- we don't want to show up with our problems. Nope. Right. Cause show up with our problems and our needs. Like I need deals. Like you're, there's nothing special about you. That's right. So I think you mentioned there are 10 different stakeholders. Yep. So what are you doing to, to separate yourself? Um, it, there's as much networking going on in senior living as there is in real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to sit, if you decide to make this part of your business, you're going to sit through uh, meetings and uh, like almost like a RIA event, but for senior living. I've sat through speeches and talks about the incontinence problem, right? So it's not real estate, right? How, how knee surgery. Like literally what incontinence is. It, literally incontinence, okay. right? I thought like, you were using something like figurative, like no, incontinence no, no, no. in real estate. No, no, no. It's actual incontinence. And so it, oh there's- Oh my there, goodness. It's a different world, right? And so how we lead and how we talk as real estate investors and look at the size of my check and all that crap, it is not the way it's done in senior living. I've been no. doing it for 10 years. And if you don't come with love out of the gate and how you can help and be collaborative, you might as well not start. Gotcha. I was telling you earlier, I, I need in, uh, investors I trust in every city. Just having a warm-bodied investor in every city is easy. I need someone that's going to go through this to understand what's going on with these families. Because if you're going to go out and have success, you need to go out and network in senior living. And so whatever, what I was telling about, there's hundreds of jobs that will be networking in senior living. Some guys sell grab bars. Some guys sell ambulatory products where they help pick you up. Um, ramps. You know, a hundred different items, but the 10 that I teach people how to find, and I'll, we'll talk about some of them, um, are the ones that have been fruitful for me. So what I want to do is help speed this along. If I had this training back in 2011, I wouldn't have taken lunches and breakfast and coffees with people that did not ever give me deals. All right. Yeah. And so um, the stakeholders, uh, there's about 10 of them that are having the tough conversation with 
daughter Judy. That's my name for her. Uh, daughter Judy is the adult child of the senior moving in. It's normally mom, but sometimes it's dad. Um, daughter Judy is having a rough time. Do you, do you ever hear the, the term being quartered? You know, back with in the ancient, horses. With horses, yep. how they would torture somebody? Mm-hmm. That's daughter Judy. Um, there's usually well, multiple. Let's, let's, let's just explain. Yeah. What people being quartered is being quartered is when um to kill you they would hook a horse up to each arm and to each leg and they'd pull you separately mm-hmm. until you died mm-hmm. not a good way to go not the best way to go not the there best was, way there to was go. that or disemboweled like those are the two ways yeah. right. well i think you get disemboweled after they quarter you <laughs> yeah. right and so daughter judy's having a rough time of it there's always one adult child where the most of the burden falls on them yeah and i lovingly call her daughter judy we mm-hmm. used to call her daughter karen but the word Karen's had a rough year and a half, so we changed it about yeah. uh, uh, daughter Judy's in over her head. There's no training for her. And let me just tell you the four quarters of what's happening to Judy. We just found out mom has to move into senior living. So you have a cantankerous mother who's being taken from her forever home and put into someplace new. Mm, yeah, never put in that perspective for us, her forever home. That's she went there to retire. That's where she thought she was going to live. She's yeah. been there since 1973, Yeah, where all the memories were. You've got the senior living community. They're a little bit needy. There's a lot of paperwork that needs to happen. How are you guys going to pay for this? These weird pressures about that's when they realize they need to sell the house. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about that. You've got the Judy's adult brothers and sisters. Uh, sister Karen, we'll call her. There's always that sister that has the opinions mm-hmm. without any of the answers, who questions everything that Judy does. <laughs> You're selling the house for how much? You're putting her where? Mom's not what you say she is, right? Yeah. So the adult We love children, those people, the ones that have all the problems and none of the answers. I've got, I've got solutions for them. I know in your training you do too. How do we help Judy mm-hmm. deal with the siblings? Mm-hmm. Then the fourth one is Judy's a married woman, usually with kids at home still and a life. And she, she's got a needy husband at home who's like, he's missing his wife. And you know she's being pulled in these four directions. And all of those pressures are on daughter Judy to try to, to fix the problem. And so... When if me and you were brothers and we, and we found out today that mom has to move into senior living, number one is where is mom going to get the best care, right? We just got bad news from the doctor. We're going to go into these communities. We find out the one we and you picked out is not the cheap one. We picked the nice one. We love mm-hmm. our mom. Mm-hmm. Who's going to pay for that? So bad news from the doctor, bad news from community. Then the last straw is everybody knows a realtor. And the realtor comes into mom's forever home and says, clean this place out. Do this list of rehab items. And we'll put it on the market, and yes, then we can get that big Zillow number that you saw, right? That's how it works. Daughter Judy is still dealing with mom, still dealing with brothers and sisters, still trying to get all the family over there to coordinate the house sale, getting it cleaned out. And with mom's house and with any as-is buyer, our business that we're in, we offer a different solution for the, for the seller, mm-hmm. an easier solution for the seller. Bad news, bad news, bad news. And I come in and say, hey, in three weeks, I'll be at closing. Take any heirloom you want. Anything in here is your stuff. But if you want to leave everything else, you can. Got it. There's a crazy stat in St. Louis that I think is interesting. Um, the average estate sale in St. Louis, the revenue is between three and $5,000. That's what the stuff sells for in the house. The cost to put that on, three to $5,000. So is dad's stuff worth nothing? I would argue it's worth less than nothing because of the time it took to get it to zero. Mm-hmm. Do you Catalog see what I'm saying? It, categorize it. Well, it just took time, right? Yeah. It, did, it, 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 it kept you away from mom's money. They're trying to unlock that equity in the house. Now, the senior living industry, they just want you to show up with a bag of cash. They don't want you to show up with a house mm-hmm. that you need to sell. And so we help the senior industry. We help daughter Judy. And then the easy part is us, the real estate investor. Mm-hmm. We're, we're dreaming of these type of deals. And there's five reasons why that I feel like that these are the best deals. And I, I would be happy to take the Pepsi challenge with any other type of lead source out there. I, I really believe when I say that these are the best leads, they need to sell the house versus want to. So there's no heavy lifting on convincing them mm-hmm. that it's the time to sell. They have 100% equity in these houses almost always. Really? About 85% of the time. They're always a house, even if they've been taken care of, that are kind of grandma clean, they're kind of dated, they're not really ready for the market. So as a real estate investor, I'm always looking for a house that I can add value to. Mm-hmm. The, th- the fourth thing is that there's less competition. It's usually me versus a realtor, not me versus the Steve Trang, the Steve Trang trained people of the world, <laughs> thank goodness. It's just me versus the realtor who's trying to make them do something they don't want to do anyway. All right. They don't want to rehab. They want to sell it to me. 
And then the fifth thing is, it's a warm referral from someone that they're getting advice from for their mother. Mm-hmm. Think about that. If me and you went to Albuquerque right now, we'd throw out on Facebook, where's the best place to eat in Albuquerque? Well, we would do that because we trust others' opinions. Mm-hmm. Well, if me and you are brothers and we're getting advice from like a placement agent about mom's end-of-life care, when that person says, hey, I've got a guy or a girl that can come in and buy this house the way it is. You don't have to do anything. I trust him. I work with him all the time. Do you think we're going to give that person a chance? For sure. For sure. Yeah. So if you can show up halfway competent, you can buy a lot of houses when you have these relationships built with the right stakeholders in senior living. Got it. So we don't have to go through the whole process. Okay. But what would be the first step? If I said, all right, I'm listening to this podcast. Yeah. I'm convinced. Great. What's the first thing I need to do? To, to reach out to me or in, in real life, like rubber meets the road to go out and do rubber it? Rubber meets the road. Um, I'm, I'm here to say people listening right now are probably thinking, hey, there's that senior living community in my neighborhood. I'm going to stop in today and put my hand out and say, I'm Bob, the real estate investor, and I want to buy houses from old people moving into senior living. Because I had that thought. I was actually, yeah. uh, I went to urgent care. I think my daughter yeah. got stung by a scorpion or something. Oh, wow. Right? The desert, and, yeah. Yeah. And so I went there. I was like, oh, there's this. Uh, retirement magazine. It's like, okay, let's check this out. So yep. I picked that up while we're in an emergency room, kind of thumbing through it. And it's like, oh, the, here's all the assisted living facilities. Yep. And so, like, I had this on my to do list, I think probably like a year and a half now. Right. Right. Like, I need to go <laughs> visit one of these. You do. But that's well, not the right saying, way to do it. But I'm learning now. No. That would not have been the best use of my time. It wasn't the right way to do it before COVID, and it's definitely not the right way to do it after COVID. Got it. Um, trying not to give my secret sauces away, right? Too much with this, but how you do it is by meeting them where they're at, which is not on site. Mm-hmm. Uh, waiting for them to, to network uh, in a way to where they want to be found. Uh, figuring out a way to be collaborative in a space where they want to network with others. Uh, that exists out there in the senior living world. Where we learn about incontinence. Where we learn about incontinence. So if so you can't not... sit through those things, it's going to be a rough go. <laughs> so it's not parking outside the assisted living facility. Please do that, listeners. No, I'm just playing. No, if you Waiting do that, you will not have the success you're wanting. Yeah. It's Got not it. that way. And people have said, what about direct mail? I've done direct mail. You know, in St. Louis, there's 250 communities. There's not enough. I, that direct mail gets put in a round file on, mm-hmm. in the, on the ground. Yeah. Um, I've not had success there either. And so um, I teach people how to find the right stakeholders, where to find them, what to say, what not to say. Mm-hmm. I got to stress that for real estate investors. Guys, what not to say is more important than what to say because each one of these relationships you can build can give you five to 10 deals a year, each person. Gotcha. So how many people do you want to make relationships with? So great, great referral source. It, it, bluntly, I think it's the best because it's not trendy or sexy what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, people will continue to get old in every city. They'll continue to look for advice. Uh, the, my favorite stat in the industry right now, 70% of Americans over the age of 65 will live in some sort of assisted care before they pass away. So when people tell me my senior living thing is a nice little niche, I always laugh because I say, do you ever work probates? And they're like, oh, I love probates. And by the way, probates are my second favorite leads. Mm. But let me tell you why these pre-probate deals are exponentially better is because if if mom's already passed, you and I are, are trying to sell the house because what's in it for us? We're gonna, that money's for us now, right? With pre-probate, when mom moves into senior living, we don't care, that money's gonna go into mom's account until it's gone. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it's a we're different not different mindset. Completely different mindset, right? And so the size of the industry, daughter Judy right now going through this with her parents, the people in their 60s are being smarter and better at life planning, mm-hmm. uh, wills, trust, those things. The older generation thought it was morbid to talk about those things. Right. It's a very uncomfortable topic. Still, they don't do it. Yeah. And, and so that's why there's probates. But keep in mind, guys, if seven out of ten need to sell their house before they pass away. The small little niche is actually probate. Mm-hmm. It's not what I do. It's, it is probate is the small niche. Right. This is a giant, that's called the silver tsunami. It's bigger than anyone's prepared for. It's, it's huge. Um, it can be something you can build a real estate business around for the next 10 to 20 years if you want to take the time and effort to build the relationships right the first time. Yeah, that's how valuable it is to you guys. I'm wondering in Phoenix, because how many people retire here? It's one of the best. It's a mecca. Yeah, so maybe we need to take that one seriously. And Florida, yeah. Well, I mean, I always say this works only where people get old, kind of tongue-in-cheek a little bit. <laughs> right. But it's true. Um, but there's more people getting older yes. moving here Yes. in Florida yeah. and Arizona. And maybe we can't buy those homes, but we could definitely refer it out. Definitely. Well, and, and, and it goes nationwide, right? So if they're moving to Arizona, back in Wisconsin where their house is, that house is going to need to be sold. Right. So, so yeah. So 
Um, and I love that you call her daughter Judy. She used to call her daughter Karen. Karen's had a rough year. Karen's had a Karen's had a rough couple of years. Yeah. And I, and it's for that reason that I call her Karen in my sales training, which is like you know your daughter that's gonna blow up your deal. Oh yeah. <laughs> we affectionately refer to her as Karen. She's in, Karen in the training. So. Oh, I can see her. All the. Ex- <laughs> oh yeah. I, knowing how to deal with Karen's a big deal. I know your training helps people. Yeah. Overcome that. All right. So. Uh, anything else before we move on to you fighting bulls? Um, if I had to start over, I was like, I've been hearing this a lot with weight loss lately. There's people say you pick your pain, mm-hmm. whether you, you're going to be overweight and they'll have the pain of that, or you can pick your pain of eating right. Mm-hmm. And I look at it the same way with our investor world. Guys, we're in the we're in the marketing business. We all know that we are, right? We think we're in real estate, but we're really in the marketing business. Mm-hmm. So do you want the pain of paying for marketing efforts every month for the rest of your life? Or... Do you want to build a business with people that will refer to you month after month, year after year, and you're going to have the leads chase you, and they'll be free, and they're the best leads? I know that's a bold statement, but it's it's the truth. Yeah, well, you, you, you pick a vehicle, right? You can cold call, or you can uh, pay for marketing, yep. right? You can be on TV. 25 grand a month to start, yep. yeah. Yeah, you can be on TV, or you can cold call, or in this case, you can yep. network, Yep. right? So I, I think that's a great point. You want to market with time, or you want to market with money sure and cold calling by the way I want to say it once again that's not what I'm going to teach you to do either yeah uh, cold calling to me is an uphill battle it's, we're, we're talking about two different things right you're saying cold calling in a, in a way to find motivated sellers well, I'm cold calling as in that it's a it's it's time versus uh, correct money yeah I, yes sir yeah that's right, right. so right. you're saying here invest the time versus yep. investing the money so I got two questions there. go ahead uh, so Chris um, Adamski actually asked me many many months ago it's like hey what do you think about mom's house and I said I have no opinions on mom's house because I don't know anything about it I can tell you that I got a friend Robert <laughs> yeah, who does it right and loves it sure uh, but it's all I know about it yeah so uh, his question for me to ask you was if someone wants to do this virtually yeah is this something I could do living in Phoenix but have this working in I don't know uh, Oklahoma City you could my suggestion would be I would help you hire the boot on the ground there um, I don't think this is done virtually over the phone to build the relationships the right way. So if you could hire a, a marketing person there to, to build those relationships. Then the marketing yes. or a networking person? Networking. That is your market. That's how you're getting those leads to come You back. want like a friendly person. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I've come up with this recently. I like naming things. Um, a lot of investors, uh, this business, you need to hire a vase to do it, like a nice vase, a nice one, <laughs> and we're all crockpots. <laughs> so do you want to be the crockpot in the business or do you want to be the vase? Yeah. And um, for what it's worth, I, I really believe this. This is the first real estate business that I've seen that I think is slightly better suited towards females than it is men mm-hmm. with what I do. Now, I'm a guy and I've had success with it, so I'm not saying you can't be successful. Obviously, you can be. But, but you're a little less nurturing. A lot less. <laughs> the empathy is uh, it's easier and I'm being stereotypical here, right? Nobody get offended at this, please. My goodness, we don't need that. It's that empathy. Well, I'm going to direct at you. Yeah. If I get right. anything, I'm going to direct it at you. Women are more empathetic. It's proven <laughs> over and over again. So, um, but I see a lot of um, husband and wife teams where the uh, the wife will build the relationships, go out and do the networking, and then the husband will be the guy that goes into the house and makes the offer. Gotcha. It doesn't have to be that way. That's not the right or wrong way to do yeah. it. It's just what I've seen is a way power couples are doing this right now. Got it. And I, and this is going to be my next question, right? Um, because for me. I really don't like to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make sure, is this a model I can build it where I can hire someone else yes. to do all the networking? And I'll, I'll help you do that. There's there's things about that person that they need, skill sets they need to have, and we're crockpots again. We need to hire the base to right. do it. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, so what's the story about you fighting a bull? Um, spring break in Mexico, drinking too much beer. Uh, one of the questions they asked me is, have you had any beer today? I said, no. <laughs> so when I signed the waiver, that was a little bit of a fib. Uh, in Cancun, in front of 800 people, uh, there was three of us, and we fought a baby bull, a couple hundred pounds, had horns about this big coming out of its head. And uh, I'm raised in a small town, and I, I went third. And f- the first two guys were scared to death of the bull. They were running around the ring, getting chased around. The crowd's laughing and cheering. I mean, that makes sense. Oh, it's scary. It's the, Your <laughs> adrenaline is beyond pumping. I, I don't think I took a breath for three minutes. Mm-hmm. And so getting out there, full, full garb on. I mean, I'm dressed like a matador. I've got the cape. I've got the hat. And I'm out there in the middle of the ring. And, it, you know, with this do or die moment, I said to myself, this bull is not going to chase me. I'm going to chase this bull. Mm-hmm. So as it came at me, I grabbed his head and I put the bull on the ground and the crowd goes nuts. He gets back up. He chases me down. He knocks me down. I actually had a battle with this bull. And so the crowd cheers. 
the crowd voted on who won and I won by the, the the size of the crowd cheer and a few days later on a bus we were going from one resort to another and a woman says oh look there's the matador <laughs> and I'm like the matador I'm like I'll never be called anything cooler in my life than the matador yeah. so that's my finding a bull story that's awesome um, <laughs> and that would be remiss I think Jason would love for me to just remind everyone right how do we uh, meet initially how do we meet yeah oh the collective genius right guys we're part of this group of um, I would say the upper echelon of real estate investors, right? People that do this, it's not a hobby. They're yeah. in this for a business. And what we've noticed is everyone knows how to do the the direct mail, the pay-per-click, the, the TV, the radio, right? All those things are tried and true. Nothing wrong with those things. We're all looking for ways to scale our business without turning our marketing budgets up even more. Mm-hmm. And so what we've noticed, not only with me in December, but also recently, we just had one last week, that we're, the industry is starting to say the sustainability is by building relationships. Mm-hmm. And there's truth to that. If you build the right relationships, you can build something that comes to you. And it's right. a freeing feeling to know when I lay my head on the pillow at night that, man, as soon as you drop that money for direct mail, you're like, I hope it comes back. Yeah. You know, that's that feeling with this. You build the relationships. My phone just goes, hey, Phil, can you be at Bob's house at 2.30 on Tuesday to make an offer? Yes, I can. It's great. Simple enough. Yes. Um, and the other thing I want to talk about before we get to the questions yeah. is Puerto Rico. I live in Puerto Rico. So you had like a whole pitch deck basically when we met in December. Yeah. So for those that are listening, why Puerto Rico? The, I've been in uh, with Collective Genius now twice. Uh, we were in Tampa in uh, Florida and it was 34 degrees. Mm-hmm. And we've been in Arizona the past week and it's been 57 degrees. Guys. <laughs> it's never cold in Puerto Rico. It's winter time there. And my wife used to ask me every day in St. Louis, honey, what's the weather going to be today? Right? Because it's always changing. Puerto Rico, 84 for a high, 72 for a low every single day. So the weather is phenomenal. And I think most of your listeners... That's not the reason why you're going there. No, I'm, I'm, I'm building it up, right? I'm saving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, I like to network. I like to uh, work, be around entrepreneurs, even in St. Louis. Those were the people I sought out. Imagine the baddest real estate, or not even real estate, but just entrepreneur that you know, they all moved to the same town. Mm-hmm. And the networking is unbelievable. Why did all these investors and uh, uh, Bitcoin guys and hedge fund traders and, and CEOs, why did they all move to uh, Puerto Rico? Simply put, uh, it's a tax. Uh, you can have 0% taxes on capital gains, 0%. And uh, you get to keep 96% of your money on active income, if you have the right kind of kind of income. Right. So, tax reason. It's a tax haven. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yes. So, um, and I know we didn't really talk about this prepare, preparing for it, but I think it's just fascinating because we talk about it here and there, but no one really explains why. Why the tax savings? Yeah. Um, boy, it's probably a political conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, Puerto Rico is, is uh, especially after Maria. Well, it's been around a lot longer than Maria, so I shouldn't say that. They designed it to bring wealthy people to their island to spend money there mm-hmm. to live there. If you live somewhere and you have a high net worth individual, they spend money on lots of services. Right. And so it was an economic driver to get people to move to Puerto Rico. So, and it's kind of like, I mean, you look at just um, Arizona, Texas, and yep. a few of the red or purple states now. Yeah. Um, they incentivize businesses to come over. and They'll subsidize the businesses' taxes yep. to bring more money into the economy. And by bringing the money into the economy, the hope is that everyone does better in that state. Yep. And in the long run, there's more income taxes for the state. So Puerto Rico's doing the same thing. They're trying to get more money in so they can get more tax revenue, not necessarily from the guys making a lot of money, from everyone else actually having jobs. That we're going to hire, yes, around right. us. Right. Um, both both in our businesses and our, our lives. Right. So I just think it's something that's good for people to listen. If you guys don't have kids, I know there are people with kids. I have kids. There. Yeah, so people have, with kids are moving there. Yeah. So it's just something to consider, something to investigate, check out, because I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. I know that in the circles we talk about, yeah. or that we, we're in, people talk about it. But I'm not hearing about it enough in other circles, so I just kind of want to get this out there. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Um, there's a guy named Logan Paul. He's a huge uh, YouTube influencer, mm-hmm. and he was all over the news recently. He's moving to Puerto Rico. Yeah. And so it's. I think we're starting to see it. Um, once again, not a political conversation, but if you look at what's happening with taxes, they're going to keep going up. So we're all looking for these other options. Yeah. Gotcha. And by the way, about the kids thing. If you have kids, you can definitely move there. Puerto Rico might be a poor area, but I want you to know in the in the town that I live in, there's a Lamborghini dealership. 
<laughs> they don't put Lamborghini dealerships in places where you probably can't have kids, right? It's a. Uh, it's basically. Uh, uh, so normally, as investors, like, are there Starbucks there? Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's an appreciating neighborhood. Yeah. Right. Starbucks will put money. Put will put a a Starbucks in that town before the market goes up, right? Mm-hmm. So you're saying there's a Lamborghini there. A Lamborghini and dealership. dealership. And, yeah, I mean, there's, it's not as third world as we, as we think it is in our heads, right? I, yeah. I think a lot of people who have been to Puerto Rico have only landed in San Juan mm-hmm. on a cruise ship. They had some rum, and they saw old San Juan, and they left. Um, there's other places on the island. Yeah, so uh, when we first talked about this back in December, there's two things that went to my mind, right? First is education, right? Most parents, first thing they go to is kids. And you say, well, we got tutors. That's yep. not an issue. And the fact that there's a lot of wealthy people there, there's going to be quality tutors there. Yep. Second question was, how do you guys uh, manage, not manage, but how are, how are the hurricanes affecting you? And it sounded like not that bad. I'm going to knock on some wood. Um, the power grid is not the best there. I've been told it's held together by uh, bubble gum and duct tape. Mm-hmm. And it's gone down <laughs> twice in my six months that I've lived there and for about an hour and that was it. So, so far, I want to say not what I thought it was going to be. Uh, we're getting ready to go into the rainy season. So I mm-hmm. guess with anything, it... It, um, I heard some, you know, I'm from Missouri, right? And we have tornadoes there. Tornadoes will take out one side of the street and not the other. Because mm. there's no, with, at least with a hurricane, I've been told you have a one to two week, they know when it's coming. So if it really comes, you just go. You mm. go back to the United States. Gotcha. So I, I, I'm trying, does it sound like I'm trying to sell it? I guess I am. Well, I, but, want, I want you to sell it. Yeah. I, it's, I think it's a, it's a conversation that needs to be yes. had. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like as far as you It's an adventure. To- Steve, I, you know, I'm 43. I don't, you know, when you get older in life, there's less adventure and I'm on an adventure right now. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool. And as far as blackouts go, it sounds like you're doing better than California. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Twice in six months. Not, not too bad. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, opinions without any answers. Um, so Liana's asking, so if she wants to learn more about mom's house, how could she get more information about mom's house? Momshouse.com slash Steve. Perfect. Easy enough. Momhouse.com slash Steve. Slash Steve. Momshouse.com slash Steve. I like domain names that my eight-year-old can spell. So, I love domains. I mean, we're talking about, um, let's see, you and I were talking about before this, houses versus multifamily. Yeah. For me, like, it's domains. Like, it's a small one, right? Like, I have a bunch of domains that I don't know if I ever do anything with it. That's why we have real estate disruptors.com. Yeah. That's why we have disruptors.com. Disruptors, the full keyword, the full single yeah, word? Dis- disruptors.com. Great name. Yep. Uh, all right, so we got that question answered. Uh, favorite Puerto Rican food from Angel? Um, the answer is everyone there was going to tell you Mufungo, mm-hmm. and I hate to say I don't like Mufungo. I'm sorry, everyone in Puerto <laughs> Rico. I, I might, I might happen. Um, they have a lot of empanadas. I'm a big, um, I call it meat donuts. <laughs> They're pretty much meat, do- you know, meat and donuts are two of my favorite things. And so uh, I, I'm a big empanada fan. Yeah, it's like cheese fries. Yeah. How can you go wrong? How could you go wrong? Not good for you, but how could you go wrong? <laughs> All right. So, uh, guys, please ask your questions uh, to answer in here. So, right now, your primary market is St. Louis. For me personally, uh, Mom's House is a nationwide company, though. Right, right. But yep. I'm talking about as far as Phil's business. Where my, where my leads come to me. Yes, sir. St. So, Louis Metro. St. Louis. So, how much business would you would you say you did last year? Uh, 40 deals. 40 deals. Mm-hmm. And I remember, if I remember correctly, you had a presentation where we talked about uh, your margins, yeah, because it's lower competition. Yes. What are the kind of margins? If someone's doing this at a high level, yeah, what kind of margins can they expect? Boy, you know, I ask investors this question every day. The, the lowest I hear is ten thousand, and the highest I heard was uh, uh, eighty-five. Mm-hmm. And um, what was that uh, Salt Lake City, right? And so the margins are all over the place. I predominantly like to wholesale, mm-hmm. so I would think that. If I say my average profit is fifteen thousand, you better believe the person I sold it to him also rehabbed it, sold it, and made twenty. Mm-hmm. Let's just say on the low end. So, I, could I buy? Realize that thirty-five thousand in profit easily. I could have. If you wanted to expend your resources. If you wanted, yeah. And at the company's level, with my forty deals, we actually did two hundred deals total. And so we do a lot of marketing for those other ones. And so, um, it's really hard to scale rehabbing. I'm sure a lot of you guys. You know, you can sell paper wholesaling a lot easier than you can scaling rehabbing. Right. There's a lot fewer people involved. Yep. So let's talk about the rest of your organization. So what does the rest of your business look like? With Mom's House? No, just in general in St. Louis. You said 40 out of 200 transactions? Yeah, 40. So what are the other? Oh, the typical everything else, guys. This what everyone's doing, uh, your typical pay-per-click, direct mail, um, a lot of Facebook advertising. Uh, with that mandate, this is a good, here is a good example. Out of the 200 houses, 105 of them 
came from free lead sources, senior living, real estate agents, and other wholesalers. So Which goes back to what we were saying earlier. There's this trend yep. of going towards the free. Shift. Yeah. Through relationships. Sure. Yeah. And it's, I, if you haven't felt my passion yet today, helping daughter Judy, the, the business with mom's house, what we're building, if I can put daughter Judy first in every decision, the easy part is the real estate investor. Mm-hmm. Of course we're looking for deals that have those attributes. The senior living industry has a problem too. So if I put her first, which, which we're doing nationwide, um, there's millions of opportunities a year for houses to be bought in this in this situation. And I think a lot of guys who have been in real estate, even you, you've bought tons of houses from people moving into senior living, mm-hmm. whether you knew it or not. Right. Because you dealt with a daughter, Judy. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of my best rentals in Scottsdale was that exact same situation. Like, we got a deal. I'm like, I actually was intending to wholesale it. And my wife's like, no, we're keeping it as a rental. like, but the margins. <laughs> It's hard to walk away from it. Yeah. The, the margins are good. Um, I always say with anything, um, you don't want to you know, skin the cat. I'm not here to say how you dispo any of these houses. Mm-hmm. My mantra for mom's house or our mandate for the people that work with us, if you're going to say, I'm going to be there on the 17th and buy it for 70 grand, do that. Do mm-hmm. not leave grandma standing there with her bags packed. And, and you know, the guy who only can wholesale can't be part of my program. Yeah. He needs to have other, he needs to have the ability to take something down if he, if he puts it under contract. Yeah. And that's a, um, it's an integrity issue. Yes, sir. Uh, so Blake Colbert wants to know, what is your spend on pay-per-click right now? Well, that's a different business. That's With Mom's House, it's zero. Um, w- with the monthly, um, I think we're at like 4500 Okay. Pay-per-click has gotten less and less valuable. Have you noticed that trend? Well, yeah. I mean, I started in 2012. Yeah. So when it, 2011. Yeah, you killed it, and then it changed. <laughs> no, and, I didn't kill it because I didn't oh. know back then. Oh, you just spent money. I spent money, and I was blowing those deals, right? I was terrible closer back then here's my biggest problem with all other types of marketing of course i'm going to keep harping on what i do right but when you go through all the trouble of doing pay-per-click marketing which is what that guy asked for your troubles you get to have you and the other top five guys in your market also show up Mm -hmm. so it's the most expensive and you get to have competition good job you know as um uh brandon bateman was here on the show uh, a month ago he's like yeah you know it's not really hard to find other wholesalers websites (laughs) no yeah it's right there yeah all right, so then uh, we talked about deal flow, average fee. Um, what is your what is your why? What keeps you going? I feel like I can build a business that will be bringing the best leads in the industry to the right investors. And by doing so, I'm helping that daughter, Judy. Um, the fulfillment of helping somebody through their, their – it's literally called crisis management. We haven't said that yet. Mm-hmm. But when family goes through this, it's called crisis management. I – see the weight that comes off the family's shoulders when I buy their house. When daughter Judy realizes bad news, bad news, bad news, Philip's going to make this one part a lot easier. <sighs> yeah. And I think that's not emphasized enough because, you know, we talked about in our industry, investor is not a bad term. No. But outside our industry, holy smokes, yeah. right? I mean, if they made a movie about us, we're going to have like, it's going to be the greasy hair. Yeah back right with a loose tie like yeah. it's just going to be glenn gary glenn ross yes. it's exactly yes. how they would that's right uh, uh uh envision us but there's a service here and you can visually see like judy like get younger after you solve her problem yeah yeah uh so what is your biggest struggle right now finding investors that uh will take the time and energy to do this the right way yeah so what does the right way mean um, I have training uh, with Mom's House. I want to get people in every major city in this nation, mm-hmm. about 300 cities. Uh, right now, we have about 60 uh, investors nationwide, and we need that to be three to 500. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want the most investors. I need the right investors in every major metro. But how would you qualify the right investor? Like when you say, yeah, there's got to be an avatar. It's like this is like what this person looks like, guy or gal. This is what this person looks like. Yep. What does that person look like? It's, we used to say you need to do 30 deals a year, and that's just in our hopes that they already have a business running. Mm-hmm. And what I found is the people that actually take the, the training and do it the right way are ones that take the system and actually use it, just like anything, right? To actually use the steps. Um, my wife came up with a good line. Uh, people buy things for shelf esteem. And I don't want people to buy this for shelf esteem. Just because you bought my program, mm-hmm. Don't, don't do that. You know, if you... Mm, I've it, never heard that term before. Yeah, for self-esteem, look what I bought. I'm blah, blah, blah. And they don't, don't use it. The reason why uh, Ben and I, my partner, we're going to have leads 
coming through the system that I need trusted investors to work. Mm -hmm. So when we first set out to do this, we could have just as easily hired someone in every city, but I didn't really want 500 employees running around. In this market right now, you know the nuances of your streets, mm -hmm. right? On the um, In St. Louis, I know, the, I know the nuances there. I could never at 43 years old learn every single city that. So I want you to stay the expert in your city and help these families uh, through their time of need. Gotcha. Um, what are, so I think we kind of touched on it, but just to, uh, just for emphasis, Rick Gomez wants to know what are the requirements for this investor? You know, I'll, and I'll just kind of qualify this or ask yeah. the question a different way. A long time ago when I was still working at Intel, right? Like, I, I want to start a franchise or not, I want to buy a franchise. And I was looking at Jamba Juice. You know how much it was to get into Jamba Juice? No, but I mean, I've heard some crazy stories about what it is to buy a franchise. I want to say like it was 300? like, it was 150,000 like liquid, which isn't the end of the world now. Right. Was an employee as a W2 person. But also you had to have like 50 successful businesses. <laughs> so <laughs> very few people would ever. Very few people would ever qualify for that. Huh. So what is the uh, The avatar? Um, you do not have to have a real estate, real estate license to do what I do. Hmm. Could it help in certain cases? I, I guess so if, you're, if your goal is to maybe uh, list or rehab and then sell your houses. Um, the avatar is someone that has empathy. Uh, you asked, how do I disqualify people? I think that was the question. Just because someone buys a, a training course doesn't inherently make them a good person. But when you go through my three days of training, it's such a heavy lift and we stress over and over and over again that if you don't go in it for the right reasons, if you're a transactional person and you don't have love in your heart, they're gonna see through it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that person who knows they're not coming from the right, they're not going to take the trouble. They're going to take the training, but they just won't go out into the field and try to do this. Gotcha. Because the industry will weed them out for us. Gotcha. And that makes total sense. The the person that would refer it still has to trust them. Yep. It, it doesn't even matter if they bought Phillips course. Nope. They still need to earn someone's trust mm -hmm. to get their referral business. And, and it's hard for us to get our investor talk out of our mouths. Let's just use the best example I can. Let's talk about the juxtaposition between the proprietor of a senior living community and a social worker. Mm -hmm. That's two of the 10, right? That will teach you. The proprietor, he's the most like us. She, he or she is the most like us. He owns a multifamily, a very expensive multifamily. And he, you can have a money conversation with him because he cares about the money. Mm -hmm. Social worker on the whole other end of the spectrum, you will never talk about money with that person. No care, not, care, care, and more care. That's, well, that's, the, that's not the reason why they're in the business. Not for twelve dollars an hour. It's not. Mm -hmm. So my point is, is in between there is all the other, the people. But you can't have one elevator pitch for him and one for this person over mm -hmm. here. That makes total it sense. Does not work that way. Different scripts for different uh, job titles. Um, and then Alexis wants to know what is your daily routine. Great question. Um, in Puerto Rico, it's so late there that I get to wake up around seven thirty and I go for a walk with my family. Uh, we come home and we do a little uh, yoga, which is fun to do yoga with your six and eight year old every morning. Uh, the teacher starts uh, in class in our house and um, I start my day around nine o'clock. Awesome. Yep. Very cool. And what's weird about living in Puerto Rico is that, you know, on the West Coast, it's four hours earlier. And so I might take a call at nine o'clock in Puerto Rico. So I have a lot more late hours than I do early. So like my mornings are my time for my family and I. That's good. You don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. No, no. Opposite. Yeah. That's what I have to deal with over here. Um, that's what, you know, going on vacation on the East Coast, like, oh, like you can totally just like sleep in because mm -hmm. day doesn't start anywhere. Nobody's bothering you. Yeah. Yeah. Versus I, um, I, I learned the one time, the first time I went to Hawaii was you need to put your phone off because people will it's call you. so far off. People will call you four or five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. They don't know. It's, yeah. not, it's not really their fault, right? It's not their fault. <laughs> I vote for one time zone. Why can't we do that in this world? That would be interesting. Uh, so how do you stay motivated when, you know, when things get tough. If you're an entrepreneur, you have to learn how to get knocked down eight times and get up nine. Mm -hmm. um, building something as big as we are, we're always drinking out of a fire hose, always. Yeah. But this is the life I've asked for. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, I don't ever complain about the things you asked for, right? Well, <laughs> I, I've got a chicken and the egg problem, right? As I have hundreds and now thousands of leads coming through my system, I now need a trusted investor in every city. Yeah. Do you think my investors and my leads that come in are overlapping perfectly every day? No. I have a need, my friend. I have a need to find investors that I trust in every city so well, we can all grow together. But I love the chicken and egg uh, comparison because you either have too many leads or too many investors. 
and it's never perfect. It's like the it's like the hot dogs and the buns. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you'll never, yep. You'll never have full of buns right now. Is that, that's, I'd rather be. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, yeah. Right. I got more buns. Right. Yeah. So. Investors want these leads, right? The investor is almost the easy part. Coming on your show like this is to raise awareness about where I think the future of our business is going. Well, especially we talk about the silver tsunami. Yeah. Um, and then talking about the other thing too, you're talking about, you know, uh, you're looking for these problems. That's that builder that inspired you, that $800,000 tax yeah. consequence. Yep. That's a problem he sought, and now he's got to solve it. Uh, yeah, there's a million daughter duties that I can help nationwide. Until then, I'm not, I'm not done yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not done yet until that happens. Uh, so Ben wants to know, is this a course or a subscription for mom's house? Uh, one time course, one time course. Cool. And what is your superpower? Um, I can find common ground with anyone I meet and I enjoy it. So it's not fake. Mm-hmm. When I uh, meet someone, my wife's always like, you know, you talk different to that guy than that girl. I'm like, thank you. She means it negatively. And I'm like, well, thank you. Yeah, uh, the, chameleon. you have to be, you have to be to mm-hmm. find common ground. And it's, it's my way to relate to someone. It's not a. It's not an act. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk. Well, I'm not going to start being. You know, I, I don't talk to people the same way because they're not the same person. Right. Well, it's interesting because this is you know before we get into this business, before you understand personalities, you know we have friends that were high eyes. Yeah. Right. We didn't yeah. know it. We yeah. didn't know what it was called. Sure. And they're the ones that they were a different person in different environments. And you're like that guy's not authentic. It's like no, like he's just communicating with people how they want to be communicated That's right. with. That's right. But yeah. you don't learn that until much much later. Um, but that kind of goes back to my point when I was, when you were saying earlier, you didn't know if you can get leads on your own. And yeah. I was like, the Philip I met was talking to freaking everybody. Yeah. Was not afraid to be a talking billboard. Right. No, not at all. Yeah. It was just in an industry that I didn't know. Yeah. It was something foreign. Uh, what is the greatest lesson that you've learned? It's a broad question, right? Mm-hmm. The greatest lesson. <laughs> my dad would say, don't eat yellow snow. Can we do dad jokes on here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the greatest lesson I've ever learned. Um, I think about your great-grandmother's great-grandmother a lot. What do I mean by that? What was her name? You don't have to answer. This is rhetorical. Was she happy? Did she shoot somebody? Did she pay her taxes? Was she loving? We don't know anything about her. Mm -hmm. My point to that is we matter for this long in this world. So why not spread joy and love with the people around us instead of being uh, so... This world is so negative. We want to judge others. We want... We want to feel better by hating on others. That needs to change. Yeah. And so my point about your great-grandmother's great-grandmother is that she mattered. Her hopes and dreams, um, everyone has those. And so we matter for very long. And I hope it gives people reason to, to maybe be happier. A little and more zen. A lot more zen. Can we have a lot more, please? Mm-hmm. I think we need it. This world, um, the, the past year has proven um, what's important to a lot of us. And I think... Um, our, our investor world, we look at everything as transactional. I put this money in, I get this money out, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about is something different. It's relationships, but it's also something that's uh, sustainable for the next 10 to 20 years. Gotcha. And what is your favorite, best, or most interesting failure? Mm, which one? Got plenty of those. I know, you gotta pick one. Okay. Most interesting, um, I already talked about the Lamborghini house where I lost a couple hundred grand, so that's just money. That's replaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, in the early 2000s, I bought a domain name. It was pimpmyride.com. <laughs> there was a small TV show, you might have heard of it, uh, around that I same time, yeah. and about a million and a half people a month would go to the site. I didn't capture one email. <laughs> I didn't put hardly any content. I just put, it was called Google AdSense at the time, AdWords AdSense. Yeah. So people would show up there, they'd go, uh, click, and I'd get paid, mm-hmm. thinking it would always be that way. I didn't push that traffic to another site. So in spectacular fashion, as the Google slaps and things changed over time, uh, Viacom ended up taking the site. I didn't get sued, but they took the site through a trademark Mm -hmm. and I didn't fight it because as my trademark attorney said, you're a kid and they're Viacom. (laughs) I thought that was pretty true. Like, okay, we don't need to worry about that. And so- um, You were a squatter. Well, I owned it. I know, but they called them domain squatters. Yeah, and yeah. And it's funny, their trademark is for Viacom's Pimp My Ride was what it was called. I'm like, well, wait a second. That, you know, it's like one of those things like, well, maybe I could. But here's the thing. Um, at that point in my life, it wasn't the fight I wanted to have. So right. it's a spectacular. You know, had I taken that traffic and pushed it to Phil's Deals on Wheels or something, you know, mm-hmm. I might have had something sustainable. But life is ever changing. So try to embrace it, I think. Yeah. I love that. 
Is there a book you've gifted more than any other? Uh, the Big Rich, it's called. It's about the how the oil industry has shaped our country. Mm. Um, you talk about true entrepreneurialism when you're digging in the dirt and you fail over and over and over again uh, trying to find that oil. Gotcha. Have you watched um, The Men Who Built America? Oh, well, sadly, I've probably watched it four or five times. Yeah. I've recorded them and saved them, and if we're ever in the mood, I love to play them. Uh, yeah, I've seen it multiple times. Yeah, I mean, for you guys that are listening to the show, if you guys want to get your, you know, that red blood, American red blood flowing. Yep, that'll do it. That'll do it. Yep. One of my favorite shows. Yeah. All right, guys, please, uh, if you guys have any other questions, please do not be afraid to ask. Um, so, oh, there you go. Uh, Carlton Hooks, A, he wants me to put in a good word for you, or put in a good word for him to you. And Carlton, I don't think I'm going to do that because I'm interested <laughs> in doing this. Um, and then what do you think about 3D printing homes? Um, the mach- Well, I mean, with anything, affordable housing is one of the biggest problems we have. Uh, one of the reasons why we're successful with Mom's House is that most Americans, if they what's the if they have a four hundred dollar problem at their house, they don't have the extra funds to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And so, in the time you need money for Mom's House, the last thing you want to do is go rehab it. Where's that money going to come from? And so, what's happening right now in senior living is everyone's going after the private pay community and letting Medicaid just figure itself out. So, one of Biden's big initiatives, if you guys haven't heard this or not. He's trying to get rid of the 1031 exchange to push it back into, get this, there's billboards in St. Louis, take care of grandma and get paid. What a world. They're gonna, it's cheaper for them to pay the niece or the granddaughter to stay with Nana than it is to put her in 24 hour care. So I, what he said about the 3D printed homes, that was a long road to get back to this answer, but yes, we need that because we need housing and the term affordable housing is our biggest problem that we're ever gonna have. There's way, you know, you see all these big, beautiful Taj Mahals being built. That's one part of the market. The vast majority needs something much more affordable. Right. Um, so I love 3D homes. I hope, I hope it fixes our problem or helps. Expand on this paying the niece thing. What's one happening here? Paying the niece, the 1031. Get oh, um, so Biden wants to keep, um, because of the silver tsunami, the longer they can keep, it's an actuary table. The longer they can keep them in the house before they go to 24-hour care, which costs them X amount, it's cheaper for them to pay this person per hour and give them a job to take care of their own loved one than it is to put them in 24-hour care. What does that have to do with the 1031 exchange? He wants to take the 1031 exchange and get rid of it and use that money, uh, the, the, the taxable, the money that's going to come from that being taxed now and mm-hmm. put that back into this. So get rid of the 1031 exchange, use yep. that money yep. to pay the niece, yep. to take care. Yep. Got it. Interesting. Oh, think about that fight. It's not good news for our, our world. It is not good news for our world, but I mean, the, the the problems I have with it is not necessarily getting rid of things or like having an opinion on it. For me, I just don't want things to change, yeah. right? Like I built a business model based on this set of rules. Mm-hmm. And then depending on who's president, the rules change. So fortunately in 48 years, you're not retired yet, Steve. So hopefully it's like a stock, right? Hopefully um, all entrepreneurs, we all adapt, right? And so- We adapt, but we also set plans. Yes. Well, I hear you and I agree with you. (laughs) So that's what's aggravating. Um, All right. So Larry Bush, right, who you know, (laughs) wants to know how he can move to Puerto Rico without making me upset since he runs my operations. Um, Larry, um, you know, you just get a Southwest flight and you head out there and I'll show you around and we'll get you. It's, uh, if Larry wanted to, uh, be a consultant for your business back here, it's a possibility for him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not excited about it, but I understand it. (laughs) I understand it. All right, guys. So, uh, if this episode was helpful, please like, subscribe, share, comment. This helps me get the message out for everybody else, right? We're on a mission, create hundred millionaires and a rising tide does lift all boats. So, um, last thoughts you want to leave the listeners with. I really like what I do. I've been in real estate for 20, 21, 22 years now, and it's the most fulfilling leads I've ever worked. And they're the best real estate leads. That's a weird combination, right? Mm -hmm. The best and the most fulfilling. It's rare that that happens. It's, it's rare to have something new in real estate. And I don't think seniors moving into senior living is rare, but you've not heard people in the senior living or in the real estate world, our world, 
talk about it as much as it's you know going to happen. So I'm yeah. here to shine a big, bright, shiny light on guys. This is worth your time. You're going to do it wrong if you just try it on your own. So just go to momshouse.com slash Steve, and we'll talk about it. It's not right for everyone, but there's, there's an investor in every city that would be perfect for this. Awesome. Perfect. All right, guys. Thank you for watching, and thank you. This thank was you. a blast.